there. Welcome to the Don't Stop Me Now podcast. This is a podcast about taking those crappy life moments and somehow finding inspiration, turning those lemons into lemonade, those sour grapes into wine. Is that even a thing? I don't know. And digging deep to challenge ourselves to try new things that we never thought were possible. For example, I started skateboarding, surfing, and snowboarding all after the age of 45. I've even jumped off a couple of cliffs in the last year, and I highly recommend it. Those were into water. I think I forgot to say that. So let me introduce myself. My name is Jennifer, and this is my new podcast. Thank you for joining me today. Maybe you're here because you know me from YouTube, maybe Instagram, possibly TikTok. Maybe you're my mom. Hi, mom. Regardless, I'm really happy you found me and you're willing to give me some ear time. I wrote that, but that sounds so cheesy. I'm just happy that you're here and willing to listen. So a little background on me. I'm a 50-year-old single mother of three teenagers. I have two daughters who are 17 and 19, and I have a son who's 13, and they live with me full time. I've been on my own, alone with them for the last 12 years. Their father and I divorced after nine years, and they've been pretty much Uh, my property for the last 12. I turned 50 last month on August 24th and all I want to say is that I can kick. I wish more people knew what I was referring to when I say that. Look up SNL. It's a great skit. I'm 50 and I can kick. I actually considered calling this podcast that. I'm 50 and I can kick but um Don't Stop Me Now is just way more fitting for so many reasons. And and yes, Freddie Mercury is one of them, of course. In June of 2019, going into my story a bit here, I married my boyfriend of five years. Boyfriend sounds so funny when you're 50 years old, but I did. I married my boyfriend of five years. His name is Eric, and he lives in Quebec, Montreal. And I live in California. Yes, he's French-Canadian. He speaks French, and it's beautiful, and I don't know what he's saying, but I love it, and it's so sexy. Our marriage is completely and totally unconventional because it's long distance. I live in California, and he's in Canada, and we're working on the together more. It will happen eventually, and we're working on a visa, um, but at the moment, we are still separate, and because of COVID, we are really separate. We haven't seen each other in six months. It's the longest we've ever gone without seeing each other. Um, But our marriage is also very unconventional because I am HIV positive and he's not. So in the world of HIV, they call that serodiscordant or serodifferent. Eric and I don't use those terms ever, but that is technically what they call it when someone is HIV positive and their partner is not. So... So that brings me to my story. In 2016, I was diagnosed with HIV. This will be a big repeat for those who know me. But um, I was diagnosed with HIV, and I was 45 years old at the time. And a week later, I was told that I had AIDS. So um, as if the HIV diagnosis wasn't enough, then, of course, a week later, they figure out not only do you have HIV, but girl, you've got AIDS. So a lot of people think that those are the same thing, but they're not. Um, A lot of people just call HIV AIDS, and I don't. I I have HIV. I don't say that I have AIDS anymore because I am not sick. And I find AIDS to be such a negative term in general. To me, um, when I think of AIDS, it conjures up 
you know, images of people dying. And that's not what I want anyone to think is happening to me and my body. And so I really am kind of like hesitant to ever say that I have AIDS. I just don't. I know that there are people more in the past that still stick with that terminology and do refer to themselves as having AIDS. But I don't choose to do that. I just say I have HIV because it's true I have this virus, but I'm not suffering from an AIDS diagnosis anymore. The difference is, is that HIV is the virus and AIDS is the condition caused by HIV. So the virus attacks one's immune system, which is what had happened to me to the point that they can't fight off infectious diseases. And when that happens, an AIDS diagnosis becomes possible. Um, so this is what happened to me because I wasn't aware that I had HIV. So your immune system has numbers that go with it and it's called your CD4 count. And these are the cells that take care of fighting off illness in your body. So if you're somebody without HIV or if you don't have an autoimmune disease or deficiency, you probably have like around a 1500. That's pretty normal. Anywhere from like 800 to 1500. You know, if you have a cold, it might go down to 700, but you're not ever going to know that because you're not somebody with HIV. So you're not getting your blood tested on a regular basis and you wouldn't know what your CD4 count is. I didn't know what my CD4 count was until I was 45 because that's when I was diagnosed with HIV. Now I know what it is all the time because as a person with HIV, I have to have it tested every three months and we keep track of it, make sure that everything's going as planned. So when you have an AIDS diagnosis, it's somebody whose CD4 count is under 200 and then when that happens your body is really susceptible to opportunistic infections. I was unaware that I had HIV and so my body was affected by the virus after it turns out it was about two and a half years that I'd had it. A lot of people can't believe that I would have AIDS that soon but it does. It happens to people. It doesn't you know it's not as common but you can definitely end up with an AIDS diagnosis after only having HIV for two and a half years. It happens. Um, so, um, yes, I had an AIDS diagnosis. My CD4 count was 84, which was well under the 200. And a week later, I was having signs of pneumonia, PCP pneumonia, which is a really common pneumonia. It's the pneumonia that goes hand in hand with HIV, basically. I still don't understand how that pneumonia found me. I don't get that part of it. Someone will have to explain that to me. So I end up with pneumonia and then I'm also suffering from, you know, HIV symptoms, which are, you know, the achiness, the uh, just total nausea. You can't eat. That's why you lose the weight because you can't eat. Um, I had thrush. Thrush is, God, I could do a whole podcast just on thrush. It's, um, it's not just your tongue is white. At least I didn't experience that. It was like, it's almost like I had white stuff growing you know, on the inside of my mouth, not just on my tongue, but on the inside of my cheeks. And one doctor, that's so crazy in the beginning, I'll have to do, I'll do more podcasts going into like the full diagnosis and how everything kind of went down. But I was sent to this one doctor right off the bat after I was diagnosed and he recommended that I choose cinnamon gum and to help with my my mouth because I showed him my mouth I said and this is before I we had any blood work back all we knew at this point was that I had HIV but he didn't know that I had AIDS at that moment and I said my mouth is just like I can't stop it's like this white stuff and he said oh just chew cinnamon gum <laughs> wow 
that burned so bad. So people that contact me that say that they think they have thrush, I always feel like just saying, well, choose some cinnamon gum and tell me how that feels. I don't know. And it can also be caused by nasal sprays. And typically thrush is just when your immune system is completely knocked out. And so it's, you know, you're growing yeast in your mouth is what's happening. So that was going on. Um, that was my AIDS diagnosis. Yeah. So I had pneumonia, I had thrush, I had the HIV symptoms and I was really sick. But my point is, is that, um, a lot of people can be diagnosed with HIV and never have any of that because they're diagnosed soon enough and then they just go on treatment and then they never feel sick. So in my case, it was overlooked for a myriad of reasons. And this is a funny thing that always comes up in my videos because I always say, I did say in one of my videos um, that I was overlooked because I didn't look like I'd be somebody that would have HIV. That comment has frustrated a lot of people and I didn't mean it to be in a way that I was putting myself on a pedestal or anything. I just statistically didn't look like somebody who would have, have HIV. And if you look at the statistics, a Caucasian mother of three isn't really who has HIV. It's very uncommon. I was one of 1,200 Caucasian women, can I just say white women, that were diagnosed the year I was diagnosed. 1,200, that's it. 1,200, that is a very, 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 very small number in comparison to how many people live in the U.S. There's 300 million people in the U.S. And um, I was one of 1,200 white women who's, who was diagnosed that year. So yes, um, you know, was not in a high risk group and I was overlooked basically, even though I had a lot of signs that were pointing that way, but I saw different doctors for different things. So nobody put the puzzle pieces together. And I do find that this is really common with the women that reach out to me that are diagnosed is that they are overlooked many times because they don't fit in this category. They don't, they're not high risk, but you know, the doctor didn't know, these doctors didn't know that I had been with somebody who was high risk and that's where my high risk came from. So going back to HIV and AIDS, AIDS isn't transmitted between people. So AIDS is the things that come as a result of HIV attacking one's immune system. So it's like thrush and pneumonia and Carposi sarcoma. That's the dark spots that people get on their skin. They tested me for that. I didn't have that. All of those things aren't contagious. You can't give those to anybody else. Those are just your own, you know, issues that are going on in your body. It's like, it's like you're having, it's like cancer. Well, Carposi sarcoma is a form of cancer. So you can't give cancer to anybody. You can't give this pneumonia to anybody. I couldn't give thrush to anybody. Those were all things that are just going on in my body as a result of HIV attacking my immune system. So AIDS isn't contagious. They are two different things. Okay, so HIV is transmitted either sexually, obviously, through shared needles from mother to child. That's through the birthing process. And I learned that from someone who was born with HIV that it isn't really, well, I shouldn't say the word really because then it puts doubt in your mind, but she told me and she was born with it. She has a twin brother. Her brother was not born with it. They both went through the vaginal canal and babies are susceptible to it happening during the birthing process going through the vaginal canal because, and I, I I'm hope I'm getting this right, because it, their eyes are more exposed to the virus possibly getting in through that way, 
maybe even through their nose or, or their mouth. And I think that's because their immune systems are so, so weak that that's how it can get into them, where normally it would not happen to an adult if the virus is in their mouth. They're not going to get it if it's in their mouth, if that all makes sense. There's so much, so much to HIV. But anyways, um, yes, so from mother to child through the birthing process, not in utero, and from mother to child through breastfeeding, which again, if a mother's on treatment, this is for a mother giving birth or for a mother breastfeeding. If they're on treatment, well, first of all, if they're going to, if they're on treatment and they're giving birth, they are not going to transmit this to their, their baby. That It's like almost a hundred percent. It's not going to happen. The baby goes on some medication after just in case. And it's, it's just, it's today, it's just not like it used to be. Women don't transmit it to their children. Breastfeeding, um, there haven't been any studies done for obvious reasons. So, you know, they feel confident that it's very unlikely that it's possible. But again, no studies have been done. So it hasn't been substantiated completely. And I could do a whole podcast with people talking about you know, why in some parts of the world it's better to breastfeed if you're HIV positive and undetectable um, versus like the U.S. where they, they don't recommend it. But again, there's places in the world where the drinking water and making formula is worse for the child and it's just the risk is better. Does that make sense? It's better for the child to just take that very, very small risk and, and breastfeed. These are the ways that HIV is transmitted also through blood transfusions in the past. Today, the risk is, I looked it up, it said like one in 1.5 million possibilities of, but that was data from 2007, 2008, um, that you could possibly contract HIV through a blood transfusion. There obviously are regulations in place. They have been in place since 1985 where they screen for HIV antibodies and make sure that the blood does not have HIV in it. I was going to say to make sure that the blood is clean, but as an HIV advocate, we really, really try to refrain from using the word clean in regards to HIV, because what is the opposite? It's dirty, and that is not anything that I want anyone to think about HIV when they think of it. Um, when you think about a virus and you think of somebody with the flu, you know, these are just viruses, do you think that they're dirty? You know, so these are these are stigmas that I'm hoping to change the perception by talking about HIV as much as I can. So, you know, HIV has changed a lot in the last 35 years, but nobody knows this unless, of course, you are someone living with it, like myself, or you have anxiety about it and have researched it, or you know someone who has it, or you are in a high-risk group, so you're chances of knowing about it are higher, then I can confidently say that it's very likely that you think HIV is a death sentence. You also think that you can transmit it through saliva, like kissing or sharing cups or utensils, that you think the medication is super toxic, that you can't afford the medication and you'll go broke if you contract HIV. You think people with HIV, that their life expectancies are much shorter and that if you have it you deserve it because you clearly did something wrong i'm here to clear up all of those misconceptions 
I don't know who's going to hear this podcast, but these are just some of the topics about HIV that I hope to clear up with this platform. The three most important topics that I'm most passionate about are U equals U, and this is a little confusing for people that don't know much about HIV, but so I take a pill a day. That pill makes this virus undetectable in my system. And what that means is that when I go to have my blood checked and I do the blood work for HIV, where it's looking for the virus, the virus is so suppressed in my system that even the best lab technicians and the best lab equipment can't find the virus in my system anymore. Isn't that amazing? Like it literally can't find it. So the RNA test that I take comes back that there is no virus, but there is a virus. This is the, the catch. So it's there. It's hidden in some cells, but the amount that's left is so insignificant that I can't transmit it to my husband sexually, nor can anybody else who's HIV positive and undetectable. That's men with men. This is anal sex. This is no condoms. This is including blood, semen, tears, vaginal secretions, you name it. There's no way to transmit HIV when that person who has HIV has taken their medication and they are undetectable. So I'm super passionate about U equals U because it's changed the lives. And oh, U equals U is undetectable equals untransmittable. If you look up www.preventionaccess.org, you can find all the information you need about U equals U. Basically, there was a lot of studies done with one partner who was positive, who was undetectable, and the other partner was negative. And there was like over 100,000 sexual encounters with all of these couples over many years through many studies, and there was no transmissions, none. And these studies basically sat there and nobody talked about it. And it's still not being talked about enough, but there was an advocate who found out about it, who was positive, and he couldn't believe that this information wasn't out there. He couldn't believe that he hadn't been told this information. His name is Bruce Richmond, and he started the U Equals U campaign. It's so crazy because it started literally about mm, right at the time when I was diagnosed. And so I got in touch with him probably eight months later, and I became part of this campaign as well. So it all sort of went hand in hand with my diagnosis, which was kind of crazy. So U equals U, I'm incredibly passionate about that. I'm also very, very passionate about the fact that the odds of a woman transmitting HIV is very, very uncommon. I lived it. I have so many women who are HIV positive. I shouldn't say so many because it makes it seem like there's so many people out there. Um, okay, I have about 200 women in a group that I have that it's the same story over and over again that they were, you know, with partners that they didn't know they had it and those partners didn't contract it. My husband didn't contract it from me. He was with me for a year. No condoms. We didn't know I had it. He's negative. Um, I had another partner for five months. Same. Um, and, you know, I'll get into that more in another podcast it's a sensitive topic because there are women who got HIV from their husbands and their husbands say that they got it from women 
and it's just a hard thing for me to believe when I know what happened in my life and how these people that were with me should have had it, but they don't. And it's not that I don't think it's possible. I do think it's possible, but I think it takes, it, it's almost like being struck by lightning. I feel like it's almost that uncommon. And statistically, if you see who has HIV, you can see that women really, it's not coming from women. And that's not to point a finger at anybody. It's, it's just to bring education to the topic. And so I do feel passionate about that as well because I lived it and I really am in contact with a lot of women with HIV and I see their struggles with disclosing and um, just how they have to live with this virus. And so as a woman with HIV, obviously that speaks to me. And of course, the other thing that I'm very passionate about is just stigma. I hate that word. I really do. And it is the only thing that I truly, truly hate about HIV. And it is the reason why people die from HIV today. That's why they still die today from stigma. And there's many reasons why HIV would kill them. And it goes as deep as somebody just not taking their medication because they don't want to believe that they have it. So they let themselves get to a point where it will take them. Um, it's people hiding their secret, afraid that someone will find the medication and, and know that they have it. And then they're going to be treated like a leper. You know, people write to me all the time and say, if I find out that I'm HIV positive, I'm probably going to kill myself. So, you know, can you think of any other condition where that's your solution? If you were diagnosed with cancer, you don't say you're going to kill yourself. You fight it. You try to fight it till the very end. If someone close to you dies, that's like, how painful is that, right? You don't want to deal with that pain, but you don't say you're going to kill yourself. I can't think of any other human condition where that is the first thought. So we'll talk more about that, but today HIV is a chronic. Chronic just means that it's not going away. Whatever. It's there for the rest of my life. No, <laughs> I'm probably not going to talk about a cure right now, but I will, I will tell you right now that I'm not one that's sitting there hoping for a cure. I, I just haven't been, and I won't. That's just not where my brain is. I believe that I will have this for the rest of my life, and that is fine. I'm okay with that. Um, I know there's always talk about a cure, but I'm just not, I'm not in that group. I'm not in that group that gets excited and, you know, talks about it when there's more talk about it. I will not feel excited about it until my doctor calls me and says, Hey, we've got a cure. Come down here, come and get your shot. You know, that's, that's when I'll feel excited about it. But before that, I'm not going to hold my breath. So Today, HIV is a chronic manageable, and manageable just means that it's controlled or it's accomplished without great difficulty. That's what it is. It's a chronic manageable condition, so I can handle that. To me, that's fine. If I had known that before I was diagnosed, would that help? I don't know. I still know that before I was diagnosed, I didn't know any of the stuff I know today. There is some stuff that I knew before I was diagnosed. I knew who was high risk. I knew bisexual men were high risk. I knew men who shared needles for drugs were high risk. And I'm not wrong about that. I was right. I did know that. And the person that I was with was both of those things. 
and I still didn't think I was high risk for HIV. Talk about denial. So back to why would someone consider killing themselves if this is all it is, if it's a manageable, controlled condition, and it's all based on stigma. It's because the judgment that goes along with this virus is so deeply ingrained in our society that we, and I say we because that used to be me, we see those with HIV as gross, dirty, irresponsible, contagious, walking biohazards, I've been called that, untrustworthy, and you know this list just goes on and on. So as an HIV advocate, I can tell you that people who are diagnosed never thought, we didn't think that we'd be HIV positive. So just like you sitting there right now without HIV, that used to be us. So we never thought we'd have this. So when you find out you're HIV positive, your entire self-worth just goes down the drain. It's like instant. And this is a mutual common bonding reality for those who are diagnosed. It doesn't matter what your sexual orientation is, the color of your skin, what country you live in, whether you're male or female, whether you contracted it from your mother or you got it doing drugs or from a sexual experience. If you're HIV positive, you automatically have an unconditional and immediate bond and understanding when, with any other person who is HIV pos. Yes, we say pos in the community, P-O-Z. And uh, sometimes I ask people if they are pos and they don't know what I'm talking about and then I know for sure that they don't have HIV. Okay, so yes, this podcast will obviously include HIV and interviewing those with HIV. I have a ton of people that I can ask because it's so anonymous, this type of uh, platform. I want to educate people on the subject because Lord knows the schools aren't doing it. And in most countries, HIV is such a taboo topic that no one is getting the correct information and it just leaves everyone in a state of panic. So I definitely want to talk about HIV anxiety, which is what most of my DMs are regarding. So yeah, um, talking about HIV seems quite fitting knowing the majority of my followers come from YouTube. I have 52,000 followers now. I still don't, I can't comprehend that. It feels like there's like a thousand. I don't know why, but I can't wrap my brain up around 52,000. It's just, um, it's a really crazy big number, but I'd really like to go beyond HIV with this podcast and talk about empowering women like myself, you know, or even older women and encouraging, you know, really anyone to try new things that they never thought they could. And I'm telling you, I did not know how to skateboard, surf, or snowboard until I was 45. I tried all of those things after 45. And, it, you know, it took Eric to give me a little push and you know, a lot of tears. I've, I've cried a lot during uh, my learning curves. It, these things were not easy. I didn't just put things on and they, they happened overnight. Skateboarding, I would say, is the hardest. And it's, I've, I've been hard on myself about it. And um, there's things that I've really wanted to do. And I just couldn't get my body and my brain to work and, and agree with my brain to tell my body that it's okay to try these things because it's scary. It's scary to fall. You don't want to fall. But the things that I have learned, I'm so happy that I have learned them. And there's, you know, like, especially surfing, I'm, I live near the ocean. I lived by the ocean for 18 years before I ever put on a wetsuit and got on a surfboard. I just thought I wasn't allowed out there. I'm, 
Like there's no invitation for Jennifer to be out there. Those are people that have probably been surfing their whole lives and they're all professionals. Well, that is not the case. There's always new people out there and anyone's allowed to go try surfing. No one owns the ocean. So it took a long time for me to face surfing and get in there with the guys because it's mostly guys. And a lot of these sports, it's kind of the same thing. There's a lot of guys. So that's another thing I had to get over was being a woman around guys and trying things that felt uncomfortable for me, feeling like I'm going to look like an idiot. But I have. I've put myself out there so many times trying these things. And when things go well, it's just an amazing feeling. So, yeah, I want to encourage people to try things that they've never tried. Um, I'm also a true crime junkie. If you know me at all, you know this about me. And um, that may play into my podcast some, I'm not sure, but I do love true crime. I'd love to just share like shows or podcasts that I like too, not necessarily true crime and let you know about them. And, um, you know, I do a lot of Netflix. I don't have cable TV, so I can't share much about TV because I don't watch it, but I do watch Netflix, do a lot of YouTubing, obviously. I've been on five podcasts so far, and they're all on my website. My website is www.itsmoney.org. They're all on there if you want to listen to them. Yeah, I was on the Brain Candy podcast. That was very exciting. I reached out to them. These are two girls that were on, you know, the MTV shows, The Real World and The Challenge, and they are no longer doing the shows, but they have a podcast. They have like almost 450 shows at this point. And I was on their 200th episode. And um, I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe I was talking. I was so fangirling. I was talking to Susie Meister on my phone in my room. She was recording me. I still can't believe I spent a half an hour on the phone with Susie Meister. Like that was just insane. So that um, podcast is on there. And um, I'm really, really proud of that one, actually. Also, if you are new and don't know about my channel and you want to look for it, if you just search in YouTube Jennifer HIV, I will pop up. That's probably the easiest way to find me. And I have like over 100 videos now. They're mostly about HIV, but I have a lot of personal videos too on, well, my shooting. I was shot in a bank robbery when I was 20. So that's in there. Um, there's a whole playlist about that. My TikToks are on there. And I also have a true crime channel. I only have four videos on there, but it's called True Crime with Jen. I have about 273 subscribers at the moment. I apologize to them if they're waiting for a new video. I've been slacking on that because true crime videos, there's so much research involved and wanting to get details correct. And then YouTubing it is a whole nother thing because you're in front of the camera and you're trying to remember details and give them to the camera without looking. It's really very difficult. It's not like just talking freely and comfortably. You have to like make sure that you're speaking. I, you know, honestly, I don't even know how the YouTube people do it. I really don't because they seem like they speak so quickly and so comfortably and they're giving lots of detail and it doesn't look like they're reading. I, I haven't figured out how they do it or they're just really good at remembering details or they do a ton of editing. It could be that, I'm not sure. I still want to find a really fitting intro and an outro song to this podcast. Of course, I would love to have Queen's Don't Stop Me Now, but that isn't an option. Man, that's such a great song. And I'm really loving that this is what the podcast is called because it really does encapsulate where I am in my life with HIV, where I am with my age, my divorce, my shooting, 
yeah, you only have one life. So like my mom would always say, this is not a dress rehearsal. It goes so fast. It really does. I feel like I was in high school 10 years ago and it's already been 32, 32 freaking years since I was in high school. And I can honestly say it really does go by in a blink. And so that's why I'm doing this podcast because what do I have like 25, 35 good years left? I mean, who knows? I could be, I say this to Eric all the time, we could be hit by a car tomorrow. You don't know. I want to make the most of it and I want to try to inspire others to do the same. So I'm planning on doing these podcasts weekly and having them ready on Mondays. So if you have anything you want me to talk about, please send me a DM through my Instagram. That's vongirl24, V-O-N-G-I-R-L. See what I did there? V-O-N is so much easier than V-A-U-G-H-A-N. So V-O-N-G-I-R-L 24. And um, I plan on making these anywhere from like 30 minutes to an hour long. That's what I'm thinking I'll be doing. And I'm just really looking forward to using this platform or this medium for my HIV advocacy, sharing my life's lessons and what's going on in my crazy life with my kids, my husband, my substitute teaching. That's a fun topic. Um, You know, surfing, skateboarding, snowboarding, you name it. My animals. But I also want to use this platform to have others on who can talk about HIV with the anonymity of the audio only. I think that's just so great. It, it opens up this ability to have so many more people talk to me and share their stories. So I'll probably talk about interesting current events as well. I'm not going to get political on here. I will tell you that right now. And um, I'll probably talk about, like I said, things that catch my eye. Um, or shows that I really like, and hopefully it will all add up to a little bit of light in your day, I hope. So thank you for joining me today. I really hope you'll be back. I know I will. Have a great day. And you know what? Hug someone who's HIV positive, if you can. Because as Princess Diana said, heaven knows, (laughs) that chokes me up every time. She said, heaven knows they need it. And it's true. I didn't know I was going to cry at the end of my podcast. Okay, everyone. Bye. I'm sending you kisses. Thanks for listening.